Ladies and gentlemen, that was Sunday Sun with Vance Joy, and I am Evan Deck with your weekly Left Bench podcast. Let's get right into it with the headlines. There is news all across the NHL this week. Tons of stuff happening on every team almost. Bye-bye LeBron as the Lakers will miss the playoffs this year. Tiger Woods is on his revenge tour. And April finishes the madness in college sports. All right, starting off with some NHL here, as we usually do. Philadelphia Flyers coach Mike Yao may be one of the worst guys in NHL history. Keith Yandel, the Ironman streak current holder, was stopped at 989 games, 11 away from 1,000. So younger guys could get in the lineup. That's no way to coach or act, and there are worse guys than Yandel in the lineup that night. Just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Yandel is a veteran, the Ironman streak, most consecutive games played ever. That's a very impressive stat, and for him to be a healthy scratch, nonetheless, not even injured or sick, I don't like it. Leon Dreisaitl hits 55, uh, 50 goals, and Austin Matthews hits 55, leading the Leafs and all-time Leafs record now. Ryan Getzlov that had announced that he will retire after the season. Longtime Ducks captain will retire. It's about time for Getzlov to retire. He's been in the league a little bit too long at this point. Let Zegris and the Young Guns come up and uh, take over that Ducks organization. Right, keeping it in the raft of ducks, yes, that is what you could call a flock of ducks, a raft. The young star, Trevor Zegers, was cross-checked from behind by Jay Beagle in a game against the Arizona Coyotes after one too many whacks at Arizona's goalie, who I'm not even going to try pronouncing, and I guarantee you none of you know. That was the problem, though. After that, another duck, Troy Terry, came to confront Beagle. Beagle, without hesitation, drops the gloves without Terry even having his gloves off while approaching. Beagle wails on Terry, hitting him in the head time after time while on the ground also. Like Coyote's announcers were saying this during the events. That's the problem with these young players. You want to embarrass guys? You want to skill it up? You better be prepared to get punched in the mouth. I don't know what kind of announcer says that about someone who's about to be the face of the league in Trevor Zegers. Um, Skill is where the game is going. The game is not trending in the way of violence and fisticuffs and for these Arizona Coyotes announcers to even say that is just malarkey in my opinion Um, they usually have pretty good takes but this definitely was not one of them Um, no apology from them either saying you want to skill it up you want to embarrass guys get punched in the mouth I don't think you say punched in the mouth like I that's not the way hockey is now maybe you go back 20, 30 years ago, that would be when you punch him in the mouth. This is not what hockey's coming to right now. Zegras, who earlier in the game completed the Michigan goal, which is a skill move, so I guess that also was on the announcer's mind, said this about the situation. With two minutes left in the game, we're up 5-0. Our best player, our leading goal scorer, Terry, with 31 goals, he comes help me with, well, I'm not going to name names. I get that he's going to punch Terry once he's coming at him, but the fact he's down and not engaged in a fight and you're going to hit him three more times, I think it's embarrassing. He should be embarrassed. I think the league should step in, said Zegers. But so far, there has been no punishment for Beagle, and the timeline for a punishment has definitely long gone at this point. Then Zegers finished up with, you don't punch a guy when he's down. I think it's embarrassing. I think it's a bad look for the league and for the player that did it. It's humiliating, and I think there should be an effing punch. 
I think he should be effing punished. Strong words from Zegris, obviously. Um, he did not hyphenate that word. But, you know, I do agree that with Zegris on this one. I think there's no place for that in our game today. But you want to talk about what's really a bad look. Troy Terry, the guy who's getting punched, left eye was bloody, swollen, and honestly just did not look like a fun time. He's definitely going to be feeling that for a while. Blood everywhere, bruises everywhere. I mean, but that's what happens when you get punched while you're lying on the ground. You know, like, you can't really expect anything else. But you shouldn't expect to get punched on the ground. And then Jay Beagle, the Arizona Coyote, who said this after this game. For me, obviously, it's pretty simple. I'm coming back on a back check. It's a 5-0 game. We're obviously not playing the way we want and have kind of been embarrassed. A player lays a poke on our goalie. I cross-check him. I'm expecting to get a penalty myself. Then he harped on about not poking the goalie, which, I mean, yeah, I do get that. I do understand that. But at a point in 5-0 with two minutes left, maybe give him a cross-check, but you don't got to go on wailing on the other guy. Then he says, from there, obviously, a second guy comes in. Second man ends up being Terry. At this time, I obviously have no idea who it was. He came in aggressively and grabs a hold of me. That's a fight. In my mind right there, he attacks me and goes after me. It's a fight. Then after that, it is what it is. And, you know, I guess you could say it is what it is. But if you go to the NHL rule books here and you actually look what a fight is, or the most common fighting, five-minute major for fighting, this happens when both when two players both willingly enter into a fight when they drop their gloves at the same time and start swinging haymakers at each other. This is what is determined as a straightforward hockey fight. The rules are simple for this type of fight. Five-minute major penalty for each player. First of all, NHL rulebook. Whoever wrote this, good on you. I love it. Just says swing and haymakers in the rule book. That's a that's beautiful. That defines hockey right there, personally for me. But it, it says it right there. Drop the gloves. Terry never even dropped the gloves. He was on the ice with his gloves still on. He could barely even get them off when he was getting punched. He tried to get them off because after he got them, he was getting punched on. But usually, what Terry definitely was doing was going for the good old like grab him with the glove on the lower jersey and just hold and maybe like give a little wrestle. There was no intention to fight. And if you're coming at someone and you see the glove, you can see the gloves on because his hand was coming up to your jersey area to grab it. If you're in a fight with your gloves off, you're dropping the glove and you're stancing the guy up and going toe to toe and then you grab on. You don't really lunge at someone when you're going for a fight. And that's what this rule exactly is. There is a problem with this rule, though. The big wrinkle in it is when one of the players of the fight is determined to be the instigator or aggressor. But he's not really, I can't really see Terry being an instigator or aggressor here. He was just coming to say, hey, man, you can't be doing that to my teammate. I don't think he was coming in to say, hey, man, I'm going to beat you up now. And I think Jay Beagle read that brutally. Beagle also went on to say much more. But one more thing that caught my mind was players have to be accountable for what they do out there. Let me read that again for you guys. Players have to be held accountable for what they do out there. Accountable, Jay Beagle? Yeah, he did not acknowledge the several punches thrown while Terry was on the ground. I mean, kids in Bantam know that. You know, you get in a little tussle. If the kid's on the ground, you don't keep hitting them. That's just like basic fundamentals of life, honestly. And if you're in a street fight, you don't punch him when he's down. That's just not a good look. I don't think how, I don't know how he could say. Like, I don't know how he could actually say held accountable. Um, I don't know. Maybe he's being held accountable saying Zegers deserved that cross trick. Yeah, he poked the goalie and get a little rough up, but like, 
Not the best wording when you're not going to hold yourself accountable, Jay Beagle. Now, not a really related subject, but kind of related. This is months after former NHL coach John Tortorella criticized the skill of Zegers and the Ducks and if they are ruining the sport of hockey because of their skill. Would you listen to that, Mr. John Tavares? I mean, John Tavares, what am I saying? John Tortorella. The guy is a cold-nosed hockey player. He believes in fundamental, hard-hitting, cycle-the-puck, low shots, tip-in shots, no-skill-type hockey. That's John Tortorella's game. And this is what he said back then. It's fun to watch. It's really cool. But I think our game has gone so far away from what the game should be, a hard game, an honest game. And he also said, my position, is it good for the game? I'm not so sure. If you did that back in 2000, late 90s, You'd get your head taken off. It's cool to watch and all that, but I'm not so sure it's good for the game. Mr. Tortorella, I don't know if I agree with you on this one specifically. Yes, I did like the big hard hittings. I believe the NHL has gotten a little softer recently, but I do not believe the Michigan, the skill is going to ruin that. I believe that we are not right now getting a good balance of physicality and Skill, we're getting a little bit more skill right now, but that is no reason to say our sport is going under. It's not even that games are not physical. I've watched a Devils game where, like, a Devils guy gets absolutely rocked. Five seconds later, there's a fight, and then one guy's face is bleeding. Like, that's that's hockey. It's not going to happen every shift like it used to, where Scott Stevens would come, like, you would be coming across the blue line and you get your head taken off. But, you know, it's going to happen occasionally now. And I mean, it's definitely safer for the players, and that definitely is a main focus. And, I mean, it's not like it's that boring because it definitely makes those hits more impactful to the game. It changes the momentum more that there's less hit those hits. It makes the fans more into the game. They're bigger hits usually because there's less of them, so players put more into the hit. So, Tortorella, I definitely agree, disagree with you there. I love Zegers' skill. I think it's key to the game, honestly, and I don't think there'd be any way to have it without... Uh, skill in the game Alright moving on from this whole Ducks tandem here Tampa Bay Lightning forward Patrick Maroon had this to say after he and Wayne Simmons were given 10 minute misconduct 6 minutes in the games in the game for chirping him and Wayne were obviously chirping about to drop the mitts probably throw some haymakers as the rule book says we love that the game the refs in that game did not and this is what Patrick Maroon had to say this game is going the wrong way. <laughs> I feel like I heard that one before. I guess you can't chirp each other from the bench now. I guess it's better to watch 1980s hockey when the guys are chirping each other. See, that is true. I believe chirping is just fine. And, I mean, maybe they weren't even going to have fisticuffs. I mean, they're both guys that will drop the gloves eventually maybe if it's needed. But I think you can't call penalties prematurely like that with that much time in the game, honestly. If it's with, like, garbage time left, blowout score, <clears throat> Jay Beagle, then, yeah. But I do not agree with the situation with these refs. Patrick Maroon, you're 100% in the right. All right, heading to New Jersey. Sad news from the Garden State. Jack Hughes out for the season with a low-grade MCL sprain on his left knee from a knee-on-knee hit from Oliver Wallstrom. A dirty hit from Wallstrom, no doubt. Um, Really unfortunate for the Devils, but honestly, we weren't making the playoffs I'm not saying we're tanking because he's actually hurt, but at the same time, he gets time to recover, fully heal, and we're not going to like miss him because it's not going to matter that much. Yeah, I want us to do as good as we can, but I think the worst we do, we trade our pick for our go- a goalie, something like that, but let's get back into this Wallstrom thing. 
So Wallstrom does knee on knee. The puck's going up. Later in the game, P.K. Subban showed up, showed he cares about this young team with almost full acknowledgement that he won't be in the team next year. He collected a total of 27 penalty minutes sticking up for Jack Hughes. Right after Wallstrom laid that illegal hit on Hughes, the Islanders were skating the puck up the ice, one of those players being Oliver Wallstrom. Subban directly ignored the puck and went, to pummel Wallstrom and got a two-minute instigator, a five-minute fighting, and a, a ten-minute in- aggressor and a ten-minute instigator misconduct. Subban, I may not agree with everything about your play style, but thank you. Sticking up for the young guns, sticking up for the guy Jack Hughes that you've basically been a role model for in a way of handling yourself. And, you know, I like that. And, I mean, you got to show that as a veteran that even if you might not be in a team and that's obvious – for the whole NHL community, you still got to play the game right. You still got to do what's right. Then also, the next game, the Devils lose Sharon Govich and VZ. Not good. VZ, uh, VZ's ankle, like, I don't even know what happened there. It just, like, shattered, it looked like. It was brutal. Um, it was just skating, and he just, like, put him put pressure on it anymore. It was bad. And Sharon Govich got, uh, remember that fight I was talking about where his face was bleeding after it? Yeah, Sharon Govich's face was bleeding after it, and he didn't come back. Back to Hughes, though. In 49 games this year, remember, he was also injured previously from a, a Jeremy Lozon suplex. He recorded 26 goals, 30 assists, totaling 56 points with zero penalty minutes. Truly astounding for Jack Hughes. The eight-year, eight-mil contract starts next year. I can't wait to see what he produces. Hopefully, Alexander Holtz could be on the line with him, and I feel like Hughes could feed it to Holtz. Holtz to Hesha, the H line could work. Or, I mean, just Hughes getting in the open room and passing it to Holtz and Holtz sniping it because Holtz just has that shot. And you think Hughes' shot is good? Well, if Holtz can really get going in the league, ladies and gentlemen, you better watch out for that. Now, the Devils' AHL team. They qualify for playoffs. That's all well and good, but this is a very serious matter that we're talking about here. The Utica Comets had an altercation in a game against the Rochester Americans. Americans forward Ben Holstrom made homophobic comments in a scrum to comments forward Chase D. Leo in a game on March 30th. On the play, Holstrom was assessed a game misconduct and now has been suspended eight games by the league. I don't know exactly what it says, but honestly, I do not believe that eight games seems to be enough. Personally, there has been events of racism in past in minor leagues or leagues across seas, and they have been handled with much more severe punishments. And I believe that homophobic comments should be handled the same way. I feel like everyone should be included. The NHL preaches for including everybody. They have nights for everybody. They want to include everybody. That's been the main focus of the NHL for the past 10 years, especially with Willie O'Ree in the diversity community. And I'm sure I'm not, I'm sorry, but I'm not, I don't know who was running the LGBTQ one, but I feel like there should be way more of a punishment for Ben Holstrom. There's no place in the game for that. And it's not setting a good example to anyone paying attention to that. So don't listen to that, kids. Now, talking about some playoffs, a team that will make the playoffs, but we don't know how they will do. The Toronto Maple Leafs, surprising. Tuesday night in Sunshine, Florida, the Panthers hosted the Leafs. The Panthers got a quick first goal with the Leafs tying it late in the first. Then the second started with a beauty goal from Mitchell Marner. Then another one from Marner. And before you know it, the score was 5-1 Maple Leafs. Now, you know, 5-1, four-goal lead. Very comfortable. But before the second could even end, ladies and gentlemen, the Panthers scored three goals, made the score 5-4 after two periods. 
Holy moly, the Leafs have choked so many times. This is crazy. I've never even seen anything like this before. The third period, the Panthers would score two quick goals and had a 6-5 lead. I've seen the Leafs load bleeds before, ladies and gentlemen, but this was brutal. But before the game could end, the Leafs would tie and take him to OT. But in this circumstance, when you say tie and reach to OT, you're like, oh, they probably came back. Yeah, they did come back, but at the time, they had a four-goal lead. That is abysmal when you lose a four-goal lead like that before the even third period started. And the fact that they, they had to come back after that, brutal. And you know who won the game? Not the Leafs. The Panthers won 7-6. Get the choking out now, Toronto, because playoffs are right around the corner, and you're most likely playing an Atlantic Division rival, Tampa Bay, Boston. Good luck. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, anything can really change. All the teams in the playoffs right now are going to stay where they like. Are going to stay in the playoffs? Anyone can play anyone. Personally, the Panthers are not going to move out of the one, so they'll play a wild card. Uh, Toronto, you're right now in the second. Uh, so you're going to either play, honestly, you're going to have home ice, I think, but it's going to be home ice against Boston or Tampa. And right now it's looking like the Rangers could play Pittsburgh, but I don't know why you'd want that as a Pittsburgh fan, as the Rangers have been brutalized or brutalizing the Pittsburghy Penguins. All right, now, guess what's still atrocious across the league? Goaltending. The last time there was a no games in a day. Wait, what? The last time there were no games in a day with a team scoring more than five goals is March 23rd. 16 days of games with five plus goals. March 23rd only had four games going on and two teams had four goals. So not a big pool out of a lot of games. That is crazy. Scoring has been at an all-time high as I just talked about a seven to six game. Devils getting blown out by eight a couple days ago. Lots of, lots of, lots of, lots of high-scoring games. Uh, it's been the highest-scoring season already. Still games to go, obviously, so that can just go up. And Buffalo Sabres now hold the NHL record for most consecutive missed playoffs at 11. You want to talk about things going up? I don't even want to know how high that's going to get for the Buffalo Sabres. Um, personally... I could see in a universe where maybe junior year, senior year, left bench podcast, I'm talking about Buffalo still having that or breaking that. I can't see them breaking it next year, so it definitely will get to 12, though. Defenseman Roman Yossi of the Nashville Predators has set Nashville's all-time record over points per season with 87. And the number, like I said, is definitely going to go up. There are still games left in the season. A lot of things can still happen so you can still get that number up there to impress people. Sharks GM Doug Wilson steps down after 19 seasons. Um, definitely should have happened a little bit earlier when they were in the rebuild. He was not really good for the rebuild. He kind of forced a co- contract with Carlson. But he did make the playoffs 14 times with the San Jose Sharks. And they only had one, their only Stanley Cup appearance in franchise history with the loss to Pittsburgh, where the team kind of was like downhill from there, honestly. Um, congrats to Doug. That's a pretty impressive 14 times. I think they've made it 21 times all time. Tells you how bad the West is. But one Stanley Cup appearance isn't the best. Kind of prolific playoff chokers, if you ask me. All right. Now to the association, ladies and gentlemen. It is with my pleasure to say that LeBron and the Los Angeles Lakers have been officially eliminated from the playoffs, as I mentioned in the headlines. I am not a LeBron fan. I've never liked him. What he does goes to organizations, make them trade their entire future away just for a championship or two. Not what I like. You know, my team hasn't won a championship, obviously, but I just, it just rubs me the wrong way. I wouldn't want him to do that to Philly. 
because it just ruins the f- team. It ruins the like of the sport for the fans, in my opinion. Uh, some other teams eliminated the Kings, Trailblazers, Thunder, Rockets in the West. And then in the East, Wizards, Knicks, which is a joke. Uh, you're all Knicks fans. If you're listening to this, you guys all thought you were going to be like number one in the East this year. You're out of the playoffs. Pacers, Pistons, Magic. Um, the play-ins look almost about a lock for e- both two. The East, Scott Cleveland, the Nets, which blows my mind. The Hawks. So there also could be a lot of upsets in the first round, actually. That would be interesting. And the Hornets. And then in the West, we got the Timberwolves, the Clippers, the Pelicans, and the Spurs. Again, a lot of upsets could happen because there are decent teams in those rankings for sure. Now, I got a new definition for you NBA fans out there. It's called the Harden effect. And you now you may be asking, what is the Harden effect? Well, I'll tell you. The Harden effect is when James Harden plays somewhat decently, leaving amazing spacing for the one and only Joel Embiid. I mean, it's not that simper, simple of a like thought process when Harden can play somewhat decently and not airball, misshoot every chance he gets. They have a good game. Here we go. Here's an example against the Indiana Pacers. Embiid has 45 points, two assists, 13 rebounds, 18 from 30 from field goal, one block. Hard in that game, had 11 points, 14 assists. Tobias Harris had 17 points and Max had 30. That is a all-around good team performance. I bet a lot of those balls, assists were all going to Embiid with that 45. But Harden had a good game that game, and it showed with Embiid's play and with Maxi's play and even Tobias Harris's, which I'm not expecting it to happen, but it did happen, so I'll take it. But here we go. Against the Toronto Raptors, Danny Green got his ring finally. Took him long enough. Joel Embiid puts up 30. Danny Green puts up 18 in his return. Hartine, 13 and 15. Tobias Harris, 8. Maxi with 22. That was it for the team. The Raptors just had better depth with Siakam and Trent, really just carried them right there. But that's a game where, oh, they play well, but they're going to lose, and that is going to happen, and Sixers fans have to accept that, like I have already. Like, I'm not mad with that performance. Uh, Harden, 13 to 15 assists. I mean, he did go three from 12, so, I mean, that's not the best, but his points weren't the worst. Um, I mean, like, three for 12. Definitely could be better, but I've seen worse from Harden. And if you want to play like that, I'll allow it for now. Play off Tom Harden, please get a little bit better. Nikola Jokic, the Joker, becomes first player in NBA history with 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, and 5,000 assists in a season. What? That is insane. That is ludicrous. Um, all the MVP candidates have been playing really well, but that honestly could seal the deal for the Joker. That is an amazing stat line. First player to ever do it, obviously, so that just... Shows how more amazing that is. Um, Embiid has been playing well, though. Don't get me wrong. He definitely is a up for contention, maybe. Um, he definitely is up for contention. I don't know if he can win it this year, though, because of just how much of a performance that was from the Joker. Um, Embiid's been playing out of his mind, though. Uh, in his last three games, he's 39.3 points per game. rebounds per game with a 58 field goal percentage and 50% three and a 77 free throw. I mean, he definitely deserves it, but that stat line's going to be hard to beat. MLB, Yankees prospect Robert Alstrom found out he was getting traded via Instagram comments. The fact that that's happening in the MLB, 
not a good look. You can't. That's a very unprofessional. And it's you know you don't see that happening, hockey, basketball, or football. But this is how it went down, which I find pretty comical, but I do not like to see this happen. A Yankee fan page posted, good luck in Texas, Robert Alstrom, going to miss you, on a post saying goodbye to him. Then Robert Alstrom commented, what? The fan page responded with, you got traded. Alstrom then responded with, I did. Yikes, how could you let that happen? Yankees, Robert Alstrom's, like, like, Manager, what are you doing? And also, the 162 game season started off yes uh, with a bang yesterday. Long hard fart season in store for you MLB fans, that is for sure. Um, I'm officially going to pick an MLB team purely based off their jerseys. Um, the Arizona Diamondbacks, those city jerseys are fire. It says Los Serpentinas, beautiful jerseys. I absolutely love them. Um, if I'm going to have a second favorite team, local team, I'll go with the Washington Nationals. They have beautiful cherry blossom jerseys on a gray. They're all the city jerseys have been pretty nice besides like two of them. So I'm not going to be a fan of all the nice teams, but those two really caught my eye. And then right now, we're not going to talk too much about the NFL draft yet. We'll talk about that in the future. But that is coming to you all very soon. Some day, probably in the next couple of podcasts, we will start more coverage on that. Dan Campbell says, player on Dolphins came in every day reeking of alcohol. Not a good look for that player. Has not released a name just yet. Titans head coach Mike Vrabel on trading A.J. Brown not as long as I'm the head coach. Good idea. He had a bit of a trashy season, but I think he can rebound. Um... Dan Campbell with another comment An elite quarterback isn't necessary to have Sustained success You haven't had any success Let us alone sustained So I don't know who you are to talk And um, right now Aiden Hutchinson The Michigan edge Is looking like the number one um, They have Malik Willis A quarterback going to Detroit I don't know how I feel about that because they might feel like it could be a Stafford situation all over again, maybe build around it, then get a quarterback, because this isn't even the best quarterback draft. And then, you know, I'm not really going to get into the detail, 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 but then Seattle getting a quarterback, I don't disagree with that. New Orleans getting a quarterback, I don't disagree with that. Oh, wait, they projected this as a trade, New Orleans, actually. I don't know if Giants are going to trade, because they kind of need that. They have the Giants getting Thabon, Thibodeau. I know you guys will like that. Uh, the Jets, they got the Jets getting Sauce Gardner. Great name, great player, good fit for the Jets. And then we're just going to go Jets, another one, trade a pick with the Eagles. Drake London, you guys definitely need a receiver. Um, and then I'm going to go down to my Cincinnati Bengals, the 31. Um, defense says it's getting a defensive tackle. Why well, could go much higher come April 28th when the draft is. But, but in this pinch, the Bengals will put themselves if a stud, for, stud three technique was available to take over free agent Larry Ugubajai. Um, I like Larry, but uh, Devontae Wyatt is very good. Um, if the Baltimore Ravens, if the team, Andrew Booth is still available, cornerback from Clemson, um, a top 20 talent who is still available just because of injuries at this point, and hopefully he falls to the Bengals because of injuries. But I think we could take a shot at his athleticism and his attitude outside there. He can, he can light up bodies. He lays the body out there, and the Bengals could really use someone like that because... We sure don't want Eli Apple, honestly. And then you go round two here. I'm just going to look at my Dante's teams. I don't know what that ad was. Dante getting an edge. They could use an edge. um, Arnold Ekabiditi. 
Um, Bengals got to scroll a little bit down here. Here we go. They got the Bengals taking Jamal Wood tight end from Virginia. I don't mind a tight end. Um, I haven't done much work, but we definitely knew need a tight end after the Jets took Uzama and we didn't sign him, which was a silly mistake for us. Just getting a running back. I don't know about that one. Zero White. Don't know about that one. And an offensive guard would be helpful for them. And then the Bengals rounding this third round off with <coughs> uh, CJ. MJ Emerson, a cornerback. If that's our first cornerback take, I'm not going to be too happy with that one. All right. We're going to get into some college now. March Madness, ladies and gentlemen, is over. The Final Four happened. Duke versus North Carolina. First ever matchup between these two. Crazy ending for Coach K. And boy, it was crazy indeed. After the game, all of Duke's team left the court besides Coach K and Wendell Moore Jr. And those two were the only people in the handshake line for Duke. Not a good luck. Duke lost 81-77. to The Tar Heels beat the Blue Devils. Then Kansas versus Villanova. Visnoza, Villanova lost to the, the Jayhawks 81-65. Villanova just got outplayed the whole game. Um, but that's just kind of because of their easier schedule. And then... Uh, Monday was the final. Kansas versus North Carolina, the one versus the eight. The Kansas Jayhawks won 72 to 69. A tough loss for the Tar Heels. The Tar Heels blew a 50, 15 point lead from halftime. You know, it is basketball, so anything could happen like that. But at the same time, that's <clears throat> a big lead, ladies and gentlemen. And then with a couple of minutes left, the North Carolina star, Armando Baycock, got injured. And after that, it just seemed like there was no comeback possible for the Tar Heels. And it seemed like Kansas was just going to walk away with it. Ladies and gentlemen, the Frozen Four was indeed last night. And boy, was it exciting. Denver, number one, versus Michigan, number one. Lots to pick on Michigan, but Denver is the best scoring offense in the nation. Game that was a little one-sided with the calls for Denver. I think uh, they might have paid the refs a little bit, Denver did. But, you know, you got to still play through that. Michigan had the fight back twice to tie it, but Denver ultimately won in overtime off a rebound with no defenseman in front for Michigan. They might have been trying to clear the zone a little too early with how offensive of a team they are. And then Minnesota State versus Minnesota, the one versus two, Minnesota State being the one. Both such good depth teams. Either team could have won this game, but... When it came down to it, Dryden McKay is all there is to say. It was a hard-hitting game, though, fundamental regardless because they're both Minnesota teams. But as I said, just stated, Dryden McKay is the way. There's nothing else to say. He is an insane goalie, a true reason for why he is a Hobie Baker finalist. Minnesota State with an easy third period to walk into the finals to play Denver on Saturday. Tomorrow, I can't wait to watch it and cover it. Here's some notable college players signed to NHL teams. Michigan's Owen Power signs entry-level contract with Buffalo, and Kent Johnson signs entry-level contract with Columbus. Good luck, boys. Uh, you all play. You all were great guys. Uh, great meeting you all. And now heading up into some Masters golf. Scotty Scheifler, Scheifler is in the sole possession of first place and the last scoreboard. There's a two-way tie in second. And then a nice fat four-way tie. Fat, 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 long. Nine-way tie. Big 17-way tie. 23-way tie. And in that 23-way tie, you find a certain somebody. Oh, no, that's a 23-way tie. You go to the next one, and you go to the 28-way tie. 
Tied for 28th, the one and only Tiger Woods, plus two on the day. Or for total, actually. He's having a great event for coming off that injury, that car accident, a brutal car accident. But right now, the American, Scotty Scheifler, is coming in hot. Um, in the second place position is Carl Schwartzel from South Africa. And then in also tied with him is Am Sun Dwe from South Korea. All guys having great tournaments right now, all being under negative, that is, obviously, because you want to have a low-scoring golf. For those who don't know that, um, all the scores for the top till tied to nine are negative, and then the tied for 17s are all on zero, and then after that, at 23, it starts to get a little higher up into the positive numbers, which, you know, you love seeing that from Tiger. Uh, Welcome back, Tiger Woods. And I forgot to mention that in my hockey predictions, I lost my Michigan team. I had them in the finals. But Minnesota State is still there for me. So I think they're going to win. I still still think they're going to win. I still think they're going to beat Denver. I got Minnesota State winning this. And now finally, for everyone's favorite part of the day, this day in sports history. The year is 2001, one year before I was born. It's the 65th U.S. Masters Tournament. Augusta National. Tiger Woods wins his second Masters and sixth major title title two strokes ahead of david duval ladies and gentlemen that is all for today's podcast thank you all for listening there will be a college hockey recap one between now and the next podcast i will give in-game breakdowns of all those games and really show you the ins and outs of why those teams won those games ladies and gentlemen follow us on spotify apple music tiktok instagram You know it. Thank you all for listening and have a great day.